when we opened on 2016 Columbus Day weekend, it was kind of the starting point of us realizing what we could do for this community and what actually this community meant to us and what our purpose was. Mm. Our purpose was to make really good beer, but I think underlyingly it set a fundamental for us that we didn't realize. And even though we're reckless, sometimes reckless just means taking a risk. Welcome back to another episode of That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op. This is Anastasia speaking, your intrepid host who's made it through another year on this show, somehow. And, and that's not a comment on me not loving what I do or not thinking I'm good enough, because I do. I, I truly do. It's more of a comment on like, wow. I've said some really weird stuff this year on this show, and I can't believe no one has taken away my mic yet. But enough about the past. Today, we are looking forward to the future. And what are we doing with this future, you may ask? Well, we're gonna get a little reckless. And I'm realizing now that that joke doesn't work as well when it's not written down in front of you. What I'm trying to say is that this episode, we're jamming out with Ian, Marlena, and Philip of Reckless Brewing Company. And for those of you not in the know, that's R-E-K-L-I-S. Why? Well, that's what we're going to find out today. We also chatted about what it's like to help and be helped by your community. How beer can be a really personal experience. And yeah how we can all live a little more reckless. If you aren't familiar with Reckless and its owners, Ian and Marlena, you are truly missing out. I knew their family casually as co-op shoppers and from hearing great things through the grapevine, but now that we've done this episode, I'm so glad I can officially say that I'm a stan. I'm a big Ian and Marlena stan. We didn't even get to talk about if they have like a group name. Uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but whatever it is, whatever that is, Stan. These people and truly the whole Reckless team are so cool and actually really inspiring. Although I don't know if they would agree with me if I said that while we were together, which is why I'm saying it now. I've wanted to get a local brewery on the podcast for a long time now. And I thought with the end of the year approaching, it's a good time to start us thinking about how we want to live our lives next year. Whether it's being more reckless, keeping more love in our lives, or learning how to make amazing beer. I think we will all take some inspo from this episode today. So, without further ado, let me take you on our final field trip of 2023 over to Reckless Brewing Company in downtown Bethlehem, New Hampshire. We are here, we're live, if you will, in our little comfy corner, and I have some guests with me today. I think this is the most people I've ever had on one episode together, which is so awesome. Just like Does everyone, everyone want to go around and introduce ourselves and and our role here and 
Absolutely. Get started that way. You want me to start? Yeah, babe. Hi, Anastasia. Hi. Uh, I'm Ian, and I am part owner of Reckless with my lovely lady love, Marlena. I am Marlena Anastasia. Who would have thought? <laughs> and um, I'm also part owner with my lovely uh, Ian Manlove, who is the brewer and whatever. Uh, so that's who I am. And, and hello to all the co-op listeners. I am Philip, the uh, marketing manager over here at Reckless. Perfect. I'm so excited, you guys. Let me steal that for me. Okay. So to me, it just makes sense to start at the very beginning. So kicking off, like, does someone want to say, how, how did Reckless come to be? This is this huge place, institution, part of Bethlehem. So I'm going to just start by one sentence, and then Ian can fill in the details. And this is, like, how I feel. And what Reckless is is a love story, and it's a love story that changed the town. Stop. It really I, is. I, it sounds cliche. No, I love it. <laughs> but uh, do you disagree? You totally took the words out of my mouth. <gasps> I, I was going to say it's a love story. I mean, we, we <laughs> I know, it's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> it, it's true though. Well, um, we, we all have things we do well. I, I happen to be a beer brewer. And uh, then Marlena came along and, and she's like, let's do this. And that wouldn't have happened without a heck of a lot of commitment and love between us. So. Well, and the reason I'm in this town is because I fell in love with him, which made me move here from the West Coast, oh. and which is why our marketing manager moved here, because he's my son. And so there's just a series of things that were driven by falling in love with somebody. And if those didn't happen, this wouldn't have happened. Never. Never. That makes sense. So have you always been into craft beer and brewing and oh, all yes. of that? So it, oh, wasn't, yes. it wasn't just, oh, I want to... No, no, I've been, I've been brewing beer since 1991 at home. Uh, this is actually a second brewery I've been involved in owning. I owned another one in Montpelier back in the late 90s. But I started drinking good beer when I broke up with a girlfriend in college. <laughs> and I had a St. Pauli's Girl Dark that was really nice. And I was like, holy crap, this is way better than Coors Light. <laughs> it's funny how I'm originally from around here, which, I mean always but also now has become such a craft beer area that when I went to college or I visit other places that they don't have that and it they're drinking that you know we won't name other names but that other stuff and it's like you don't even know what you're missing <laughs> but did you have any familiarity like with this area or with the east coast before you came you're just like I'm gonna I remember I would like tell people at home because I was a fitness coach so I taught a lot of classes and I remember telling when everybody knew when I was falling in love with this man because I just couldn't like stop gushing and we, we basically were telecommuting you know and, and visiting each other going back across the country so we had a lot of times when we didn't get to see each other and so I'd always say oh yeah Ian I think he lives in Vermont or something like that. <laughs> I didn't really, like, my attention to the northeast part of the country, which now Ian says, this is our little saying, that I moved right to become just right, is like, like, I just didn't really understand a lot. But, uh, yeah, so no, I wasn't super familiar. But I will say the first time I came out to visit him, besides my love for him, I honestly fell in love with this little town. So okay. there's just something a little mystical about it. So that I was like, okay. Well, I didn't yeah. know when or how. But I instantly felt like it was going to be my home. 
that's good because not to undercut any sort of love but you know you don't want to be in a place you don't like with someone you do like you know both both parts are seemingly important and i think it's interesting that you hear so many stories of couples going into business together and i'm always maybe it's just the skeptic in me but i'm always kind of like is that true like do they really like like each other like what's <laughs> what's going on here so to well, set the record straight skepticism is all there's none here you can't see it but there's a lot of love here there is oh, yes. a lot of love way more love than skepticism right yes yes but maybe, doesn't mean maybe there's a not bit. there's not doesn't mean there's not challenges though complete transparency <laughs> running a beast like this with your partner yeah it's not always easy. Yeah, Especially but being two... five years into it, we think we've maybe got over that hump, and yeah. it's easy sailing now. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. That seems reckless, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. And since we've seen a lot of growth over that five years, maybe we can also give context. Can you tell everyone who can't see, like, where we're sitting right now? Because maybe if you haven't been to Reckless, or you're not totally familiar, haven't been here in a couple of years, we're not where you think you might be. We're in a pretty cool we're, we're spot. In, we're in the Pint House, the uh, tasting room, uh, bar, event space, everything that can be kind of like used as a place for people to gather and have a good time. That's what the, uh, the Pint House is. You know, it's a it's the old balance building, which some people are probably familiar with, some aren't. It used to be an old yoga, used to be, not old, it's a very new, very different building to what the original Reckless is. But it's, uh, you know, we bought it from the yoga studio a couple years ago and we've completely rectified it. It, is, <laughs> it went from white walls and peaceful maple wood floors to black ceilings, black walls, old wood, rustic, but it still has a little bit of a new touch to it and it's like it's a very comfortable space so if you saw us right now we have we're sitting in probably the most comfortable place in the reckless campus i have seen adults children uh grandparents sleeping over here during a regular day of business because it's so comfortable <laughs> it's just this humongous sprawling uh couch bench with about 300 pillows that you know cozy winter night most people will fall asleep if they're hanging out over here and that's totally fine we love seeing our customers fall asleep in a restaurant um, but yeah it's become a very cool space where we have our original brew pub that you know people love it's what people think of when they think of reckless but with this new space we've created an environment that you know is a little bit different you can come in and you don't wait to get a table you can go sit at a bar get a drink you can see other locals hang out around here we have a really nice kitchen which has opened up an opportunity for other people who are really interested in cooking and starting restaurants or just doing pop-up food we don't have a location to do that so we have like people like baltic kitchen come in and they do our their, their pierogies every thursday night and provide food which is really cool because they don't have the opportunity to open up their own business and location yet, but it gives them a spot to be once a week that people know and they come and try their food. But And we do a ton of events here, everything from private events to public events and anyone who is interested in having something to say that's meaningful, that they want to put on the world, like we try and work with them and let them put on different things here. So it's a very nice. unique space and it's become kind of the epicenter of culture at Reckless. Yeah, yeah, and it's made you become that official designation of a campus in the sense that you have it is a campus a, a for sure now place yes and i i think i do agree that this is the best 
spot to be. Oh, yeah. This exact corner. Yeah. corner. The corner yeah. is the place to be. And you throw you're a beer be anywhere, in there. Just be in the corner yeah. with a beer. I've been here summer, fall, winter, and I. this is the perfect winter spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. Look, you see the snow. Yeah. Get cozy. If you sit right in the corner, you can see the snow, the parking lot. You can see kids playing the cornhole The only thing on the we're front. missing is the crackling fire. That's what I was going to say. Put a little something on the table. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, but I feel like the other thing we have to address is the name. Yes. I, there are other breweries that are, you know, just the town brewing or word brewing. And we have reckless and that has <laughs> carries so much weight to it so it looks like we're going to ian for yeah, how yeah, yeah. why are we reckless how did that come about well it's uh, a rather old story believe it or not it comes from uh, i got it originally around 2005 or six and i've had it on my license plate on my car since then by the way but the brewery didn't come around until 2016, so it was on my car for a good long time. <laughs> so we now know reckless. where to find you around town, how to follow you. Uh, reckless is simply the phonetic spelling of the word reckless. Uh, R-E-K-L-I-S is the way we spell it. And uh, it pretty much comes from a day back in the early 2000s when a bunch of friends and I were skiing at Jay Peak. And it was a big old powder day. And there were not a lot of people there, and we were making runs on the tram. And there was a sign in the tram house, on the lower side as you're waiting in line, that says, do not ski recklessly. It's an old National Forest sign. And below that, it had the, the phonetic spelling and the definition of the word reckless. And the first definition of the word reckless, as you'd see in a dictionary, is without consequence. And that's the way we were skiing that day, which was totally without consequence. Uh, but it really also matched sort of my lifestyle. You can ask any of my friends. <laughs> and uh, that's why I, I was like, huh, I never had a vanity plate before, but I'll get it on my car. And it's been there ever since. And it just made sense that when we started a brewery that... Well, go back to the teeny bit. You're yeah. missing a huge detail. Oh, yeah. What am I missing? The, that you were you had a little brew shed. Oh, yes. For years and years, and you had the name Reckless on it. Like, yeah. his friend made him a sign that said Reckless, but it was the regular spelling. And so when we had to come up with the logo, when we actually officially opened the brew shed to the public, we, we kind of married those two worlds together. Yeah. Like, he showed me where he was inspired, that first picture. That was the phonetic, because he had the picture of the sign that he was like, I'm reckless, you know? Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, that's our logo, and that's how we got the font and all that stuff, so. And I love that it has, both in you and from, coming from JP, that it has a local origin. Oh, like, yeah. it's not, and that it has an actual meaning. It's not just some yeah. word that comes out. When you got together, did you know he was this reckless man that, <laughs> yes you know or... i think it was kind of like um, i knew his sisters for years before and he was i was on the west coast he was this, the crazy brother on the east coast and something about that was very attractive to me, so. <laughs> Girl, we, i know we've, we've, we've been there yeah yeah so then in a sense of maybe he was being reckless maybe it wasn't going from this is just a hobby and this is a little brew shed how did it come to the decision of we're going to make this a brewery, we're gonna to try to add something to Bethlehem. And I guess I'll answer because 
he always had a barrier up that he just didn't think that, you know, he just didn't think it was ever possible or that his beer was good enough. And, um, you know, as everyone it, it has a hobby and you put time into it, you get better over time. And I think his level of confidence in himself that he was getting better wasn't matching actually the skill that was getting better. Mm. So when I finally moved over here and came into the picture, his beer was getting really good. Like, you know, he went in the process of making beer, you know, the most rudimentary, like, fun, like starting level is like, what, is it called malt extract? Yes. Yeah, you make, so basically it's like, you, know, you have instant cereal, you have instant beer, you know, <laughs> you add water, and then you add yeast and you ferment it, correct? Easy, yeah. But it's when like you cheating. start to become a real brewer, you do things, you know, you do all grain brewing. So you grind the grain, you create your own cereal, and then you have water chemistry, you know. And so, so he was starting to add all those elements into his brewing, and it really was reflecting in the beer. And his beer was really good. And, and just so you know, I wasn't a beer drinker before I met him. He taught me how to love beer. <laughs> Wine will always be my first love. Sorry, babe. Um, but uh, he knows. I've um, accepted that. Yeah, so, so it, it, he knew that eventually, he basically got to the point where he was like, well, I think it would just be cool if people just came to the shed in the backyard and just bought beer from me. That'd be kind of cool. Like, I don't care about making money or anything, but I, I want to keep making all this beer. I want to get better, and I don't know what to do with it, you know, for one. But I don't know if anybody's even going to want to buy it. Well, at that point, I had a job at St. John's area. I was a fitness coach, and I've created a following. They all knew Ian. So one night, I surprised him, and I put a whole panel together of people. And it was about 12 people that came and had dinner, and we sat around a table, and we all drank Ian's beer, all different types, and we all went around the table and told our most reckless story. And it was just such a marvelous night. Everybody had a different reckless story, and reckless reflects like so many different meanings, right? But by the end of the night, every person wanted to buy a growler from him and take it home. And his, my win over that was that every time I told people loved a beer, he's like, well, it's just my friends. Friends always love your stuff. And I had to prove to him that people didn't know him very well or knew his mm. beer, loved it. And that kind of, honestly, at that point, that was a swaying moment. And from there, we really started diving in deep to like seeing what would it take to get a little license to sell publicly out of our little shed. And to this day, I don't know if many people know this, but we were, there was only one other little backyard shed in New Hampshire when we did this that the, the liquor license, uh, the commission was looking into licensing. So they weren't quite sure how to license this. Like, they didn't tell us right. no, but so, so uh, that's just a little fun fact that we were like one of the first licensed backyard brew sheds in New yeah. Hampshire. So I know, that is crazy. really cool. I know. Yeah. So we dug in deep and uh, we committed to it. Together, we just put together this fun little idea and this little business plan. I will say things like NCIC helped us. They sent business coaches. You know, even though it was such a small little thing, we still like, had a good intention for it. We both had full-time jobs. We had no intention of leaving our jobs, but we wanted to make sure we were doing it correctly. So through a lot of community support, the town, the planning board, Bethlehem, helped us a lot because also they weren't like, oh, wow, you want to sell beer out of a little shed? Our neighbor, Andy, was amazing you know, gave us a variance on our, you know, like property, like all these things fell together yeah. and really turned it into this like community mission to make this work. And I think when we opened on 2016 Columbus Day weekend, actual, yeah, that weekend, that Saturday, it was kind of the starting point of us realizing what we could do for this community. 
and what actually this community meant to us and what our purpose was. Mm. Our purpose was to make really good beer, but I think underlyingly it set a fundamental for us that we didn't realize. And even though we're reckless, sometimes reckless just means taking a risk and having faith in yourself and knowing that your intention is good and that you have the ability to do something good in this world. Mm. Mm, definitely not, not being afraid it's so. not always from zero to a hundred it can be like zero to 50 or zero to 10 yeah even yeah well and i mean even if you're gonna go out and jump off the biggest ski slope the one main thing that you have to have is faith in yourself and faith in what you're doing and so that can apply to anything right yeah really so, you know, the idea that reckless is just can be like reckless behavior bad. Yes, there's a negative connotation of reckless, but also without consequence can be my son, like Philip and I, when we moved out to the East Coast, we had to make a decision. We left our whole life out there to come here. And some people could have said that was a really reckless decision. We followed our hearts. Yeah. For us, it was like we were willing to live with the consequence of that. So it's another way of looking at it. <laughs> I love that, and it. I think that kind of help helps answer another thing that I've been curious about, because I, if you ask like any of my friends or coworkers, I feel like I'm a pretty you know run of the mill standard person that you're looking at me like, oh, one of you. I don't know. I don't know. But especially seeing you know as a customer, as a partner, how smoothly things run, how everyone who works here and everyone who talks about working here talks about it being a family and being so well connected and so interconnected with everything you're just a smooth operating machine so in my head I'm like well that's not reckless the the word that's reckless the business so how in running a business do you put both of those ideas together of like this has to go well and smoothly but we want to stay true to our roots like how does that end up working it's a really good question it really is and i think that if you ask every manager here they may have a different approach to how that happens but it all the same goal is there mm. and i think it kind of happens somewhat unconsciously because of the people and the culture that is being cultivated here so do you think that the people who tend to come and work for you like you're attracting a certain type of person or do they come here and then become I think it's a little bit of both of. I think too I mean if I want to so I want to honor the people who started with us from the very beginning because in the very beginning we never ran a restaurant and we weren't even going to start with a restaurant and a bar like we were going to do you want to do hot dogs and I want to do pretzels and the only reason we didn't do just that was because all of our dear friends had confidence in us once again they're like a restaurant in this area and we're like okay so <laughs> let's give it a shot we had no idea what we we're doing and we had a very you know we had very meager funds to do the things that we needed to do so we started out with a team that had faith in us and I'm gonna go back to the love story again thing I think the faith and the confidence and the energy that we had between each other like energy attracts energy attracted those people and I think that from a grassroots point of view I think some of them that were part of the brew shed or even just as customers, they saw what it was doing to their town. So it's all love, right? They loved Bethlehem. Mm. They loved beer. They loved what they saw going here. They loved the atmosphere that when they came in the brew shed, we all talked and we all like shared all these things about the town we lived in and everything. And I think that um, all that committed them to jumping onto this boat that we had no idea what we were doing. 
Like our first circle of employees, I remember standing in the middle and looking at everybody and going, we're opening in two days, and I'm, I'm just literally going to tell you guys, I don't know what the heck we're doing. We're all going to figure it out together. <laughs> Remember that, Philip? And we still do it to this day. <laughs> it's just, that's just like literally every step we take since we started, from every expansion we've done. We, we've never done this before. We don't really know what we're doing. And uh, it takes a heck of a group of people to believe in you and stick with you to get us to where we've, where we've and, got to. And being part of this, I mean, literally... We, you know, now we have management teams that, you know, a lot of them have grown, like upgrowth is a, is a big thing for us, right? And creating opportunity within and everyone is kind of figuring out. So everybody has like a little piece of this success, right? Yeah. And, and to me, that's amazing. But also we're all willing to do the nitty gritty together too. So we all kind of lead by example. And I think like one of my rules is that I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't the only thing I've given allowance on that is I will never, ever empty the grease trap. <laughs> and I told Dave you could hire someone, but Dave will still do it. But I just want you to know you can hire someone. But uh, I'm sure, I don't know if you know what a grease trap is. I do, <laughs> I do. They're pretty gross. Yeah. I, yep. I have done the grease trap twice, and it's something I will never forget yeah. in my entire life. <laughs> so it's, it's going to stay with you. Yeah. It's not a fun project. Once again, yeah. one of those things that we didn't know we were going to have to do owning a restaurant. But, um, I, yeah, it's just, it's just yeah, that, that stuff's crazy. But I think that, so just to, we have this core group that started from the beginning. And, you know, it's the, that relationship, there's not ever going to be anything like that. Because when you go through, it's like battle, right? Yeah. When you go through something with somebody and you get through something and you come out on the other side, like having created this and you know you had the piece of it, there's just moments and times that no one's going to understand. But what that energy does is when we bring new people in or, or they know people or however our team keeps growing, that energy is there, right? And not to say that there's not ups and downs. Every team, every character, and there are people that come on to Reckless and we're just, we're not their cup of tea. And that's okay. You know, yeah. but we're going to accept everyone to come in and try it. And I think that when you end up staying with us, and we're, we're, we, we hold people on for a long time, it's because it is, I think what you do is you do become part of a family. And I think the biggest part of family, right? Because I, I have family, and some of my family are like, mm, what I talk about, what I think about personal family. So, so when I think about my chosen family, like, you care, right? Yeah. And ultimately we care, and I say a lot to my managers and my employees, like, listen, your success and your happiness is mine, both those things. And, and I think it's Ian's. And so it behooves us all to work together because that's how we're all going to, you know, rise together and create this opportunity for us all to grow. And, you know, for us, our wildest dreams is their wildest dreams, you know, like make this into whatever you need it to be. And that's the thing too, reckless, you know, we're very, like, it doesn't have to be one specific thing. Right. So it right. does have a multiple, you know, the future it can mold into different things. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, too, I just want to shout out some credit of, like, you're talking about all of your wonderful employees and how it takes a lot of trust and recklessness, maybe, to follow people. But it also takes good leaders and enthusiastic people to want to follow them. You know, you wouldn't follow just any guy <laughs> be like who's like I have an idea and they're like eh, but it, yeah. there's clearly the passion and energy behind it so people can trust you and, and the town can trust you and be like oh yeah why don't you 
take over this barn and make a whole new place that we've never seen yeah. anything like it in this town before. So it's, it's, it's almost, say that. Uh, I think it's almost incidental because uh, when we first started doing this, I didn't think about anything other than brewing beer. I just wanted to brew beer, but then all of a sudden, boom, this is here. And uh, it's worked because I believe uh, the culture and, and where we've set it and the family around that. I think I just recently uh, read something that it was a quote from Richard Bronson, and he said, like, some of his success is his line is, screw it, let's do it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's kind of the way we are. Like, there was just certain points where we, had, we, we didn't have any money, we didn't know how we were going to do it, but clearly we needed more seats in the winter because we lost yeah. that front, you know, in the winter. Like, remember the, first, the front porch on the red building? Yeah. Right? Which, is, when we opened that first summer, we were really busy. We didn't know we were going to be that busy, but once winter came... All of a sudden, nobody had anywhere to sit when they came into the building. It was small. So, I mean, every stage has been that way. It's kind of like, we don't have the money for this. I don't know how we're going to do this, but we need it. And somehow, each time we figured it out. Whether it was with support from our community, you know, whether it was a plumber, James a plumber. I mean, there's so many elements of people that have helped us become what we are. But I think the energy is believing in each other. And in doing that, it just keeps going out. Yeah. So... So speaking on that line of so many people helping you do what you do, a big thing for us at the co-op and for co-ops in general is we have a principle cooperation among cooperatives where our goal is to help other co-ops be the best they can be and in turn we share resources and information and things like that. So I'm wondering, is there any sort of cooperation or partnership that goes on with other breweries in the beer world and how do you take part in that? I think that in this area, the one thing I find is interesting, like we all kind of open, like if you look at Copper Pig, I mean Schilling's, I always call them the godfather, they've been around forever, right? They kind of set the pretense, you know, for this area, there is a brewery in North Country and they've done an amazing job. I think they have great quality and you know, their business has evolved too. But when you look at Iron Furnace, Copper Pig, us, we kind of all opened around the same time, and it was a very rising tide. And with that rising tide means that all of us in our own way were kind of doing the same thing, trying to just float and survive with the business that was coming and the demand, yeah. you know, and then you throw a little COVID into that mix. So <laughs> Just a little yeah, world pin. I think the opportunity to do, like, big collaborations and stuff hasn't happened yet, but I do know that we all lean on each other, and, like, anytime any of us ask each other for help or a suggestion or do you have this or need this i think we're all there at each other's in, like, in, ingredients is uh one of those areas where we're going to be brewing a beer tomorrow we need 50 pounds of uh, malted oat flakes and we realize we don't have it so we'll call one of these other guys locally mm -hmm. and say hey, well just uh it, it, if you can help us we need 50 pounds of oats and sure enough um, more often than not they will literally bring it to us and we've done the same thing for, for them as well. That's so awesome. it's a really great relationship we have with all of our local fellow brewers. We haven't done the collaboration yet, as Marlena just said. Well, we, uh, we have with Iron Furnace. Iron Furnace, we did, I mean, we haven't actually, we've kind of worked because we both have the mountain biking in interests. So the, the tri-beer, I mean, Iron Furnace has brewed it, yeah. but we've helped them have the events here and stuff. So I think that's probably like we, we've the most. We've collaborated in ways that aren't beer Around like beer. yeah, right. Public, public events, common interests with the outdoors. We that's like 
you know, a lot of brewer, it's, I don't know, from a marketing point of view, the idea of brewing beer with another brewery has been done and played over and over again. And it's been seen a lot, and it doesn't really, you know, it's fun, you know, when you get down to like what brewing is, it's not the most exciting thing from the brewer's aspect and from the way breweries work. Being able to work with other community members and other breweries to do something that actually gives back to the community has been a lot more exciting mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. So we did our very first Trike Fest with Iron Furnace. It wasn't just Iron Furnace. We went to all the breweries from Big Day to Coos to Copper Pig, and they all donated. They all gave us beer. And we were able to develop this really cool event that was literally like a uh, Oktoberfest slash mountain bike festival where we had all of these beers from all these other uh, breweries who donated and all people North were able to come and try all of their beers here <laughs> and the beer and money they donated also went to helping build more mountain bike trails in the area and we had over had about 100 people show up for this humongous community group ride in Bethlehem and get to try all the trails and Dave Harkless from uh, Littleton Bike he did a phenomenal job being part of that as well by bringing out his whole fleet of demo bikes and rental bikes. And they got Norco to come out and bring all their bikes. So it was this cool opportunity that with the power of Iron Furnace, us and the other breweries in the area, were able to create this event that- And the Mountain Bike Association. Yeah, and the Mountain Bike Associations yeah. to get people in the mountain biking, try mountain biking, while also trying all the beers in the North Country. And it's something that the community can actually take part of instead of just you know, your couple of brewers here and your couple of brewers here, like you guys are having maybe a good time together, but we're just kind of like waiting to drink it versus a community yeah, event exactly. and partnership where everyone yeah gets to be involved. So, so yeah, to Phil's point, so I would say that like we're more driven to collaborate that way yeah. than we are driven to collaborate on a beer, but it's not to say that we wouldn't do, like we've done, mm-hmm. you know, Pink Boots, like, I mean, we definitely have conversations with people on collaboration, but, uh, I mean, it's not anything we'll say no to, but we put our time and yeah. effort more into what Philip was speaking to, like the community collaborations and yeah. things. So, and you know, beer is always part of that. So, yeah. <laughs> and something else on the note of community, not that we haven't not been on that note, is with the rising tide you talked about in all of these other breweries, when craft beer kind of exploded, like. To be honest, to put on our capitalist shoes, like there's such a money-making opportunity there, but you folks were very explicit in saying people, planet, profit. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about like the decision to be intentional with that? Why did you do it? What does it mean to you? How does it, what does it look like? Well, first there's a lot of things we did not know about going into this kind of business and owning a brewery. It appears from the outside that it's super profitable. (laughs) <laughs> it's not it's not exactly what people think I'm not and I don't I don't want to say I don't want to say that in any kind of negative way because every brewery business is set up in a different way too but I think if you talk to any brewer that's at our scale that you're doing it because it's a labor of love and you know there's something in it that you see that keeps you going and it's not saying it doesn't make money but you know, it's not going to put us into retirement like when we're, you know, in our early 50s. It's not just all fun throw pillows. <laughs> no. Well, actually, yeah. uh, if, oh, well, if, it's all about well, attitude, right? If, if we didn't have the fun we have, it, it would be, uh, there'd be a lot less reason to do it. <laughs> right. Well, I'm driven, like, purpose driven, right? Well, we've got, uh, first of all, when I think of people, I think of our employees first. Um, our community also is a huge reason why we're doing this. 
it's been fantastic to watch the community change and grow since we started doing this. I moved to Bethlehem in 2004, and at the time it was just a sleepy little mountaintop village, basically. And it was quaint, but there was really nothing going on here. And to see how it's changed now, to see what's, what's happened on a Saturday night in July, uh, it's amazing. And uh, it's changed a lot of people's lives and uh, offered a lot for them in the future, I think, both employees and community members. Yeah. So like for me, um, there's two. There's, there's People Planet, right? Profit. But in the people, pe there's customers, like people, you know, like our community. I'm going to call... Yeah. I'm going to call those people community. Yeah. And then there's reckless, right? And the, you know, the reckless team. And in the beginning, when he and I decided to take the leap to go from the shed to the building, that was about community. And it was about us. We selfishly wanted, we were like, let's do this because this town has nothing like this and we want to have a brewery in this town. So it seeded from that. Not necessarily to make money, you know, because we had no idea. We both had full-time jobs still. But then we opened it, and this amazing thing started to happen. And, what we, you know, we realized that, like, this is what I realized. I don't want to speak for anybody else. The community also wanted what we wanted. And the community kept coming in and kept coming in and kept coming in. And when they did that, I needed more reckless, right? Yeah. The reckless people in order to serve the community. It's just like, yeah. Right. And then what I realized, though, is the more I had people staying committed to serving the community and on our boat, like the opportunity that I had to give them became more and more and more. So mm -hmm. therefore, what I realized, this is like a relationship between the community coming in, the community becoming part of this business and making it work. And it's just a circle that keeps going around. And for the first time in my life, and I say this to people a lot, I've worked really hard. I've done a lot of things where I can't see the result of working so hard. But I was like, wow, I actually can see that I'm changing people's lives. And to be able to offer people real jobs and careers, and it, you know, in the beginning it didn't start as much, but to have that opportunity to do that is pretty amazing. And that's what's kept me going. Yeah. But that also happened because the community saw something in us and you know, we fulfilled the need and whatever experience we've created, they've come in and it's just, like I said, it's just a symbiotic relationship that keeps working. And um, that, that to me is pretty amazing in the people area. Yeah. And what I've also learned is that, and I think Ian and I, from the very beginning, we were like, we don't, we're not driven by money by this thing. That wasn't why we went into it. So for us, and we're, we're also enjoy like reckless, right? We love to play, we love to do things. We're also severely devoted also, and we work very hard, but um, having people help us do this was really important, which means that you pay yourself less, which is okay. For us, our money, if you were to shape our money, it's all the people that surround us, and that's what like keeps us going. And so, and, and, and Planet, Planet, what I've learned, the reason Planet is important to us, because we love the outside, we love to play outside, and our planet and climate is everything, right? And as we know, it's in jeopardy right now. I have learned though, in owning a restaurant, and, and I'm gonna be transparent again, it's very hard. And that's an area that like, you have to have the people and the mindset and the core value, like that's, you gotta start there. Yeah. And then you can start chipping away at the next level. And then profit, you have to have to have a business. If you don't have profit, you can't 
I mean, we have people reach out, Philip. I mean, every day I get an email for us to donate to something. And we want, without putting our own employees in our company jeopardy, we do the best that we can yeah. in supporting. Like, we don't want to say no to anything. It's kind of a rule. You want to pay the, pe- the people that yeah. are helping you. and you yeah. Right. But you also want to support your community, you know, yeah. because it's your community that comes and supports you that helps you to pay your you know, yeah. employees. Yeah. So, and you want to see your community get better because of what you've done. You know, there's so many things that we care about. And so now, like, we have this tool that like like I go wow I can actually help this cause like I have something that I can really do now you yeah. know whereas before like I can put some time which I'll, everything you do helps but to put something into it that can really help something you know and people to see us as an entity you know we have people reach out to us and bigger you know bigger nonprofits because they see us in, as an impact that to me means a lot I think it means a lot to Ian and I also I mean I think it means a lot to our own team yeah so that's kind of when I look at those three that's my that's 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 what I see. Yeah, you know, and I don't. And then, and it, but it's, I think it's really important for Philip to answer this because he's not an owner. So. Yeah, I. I don't even know where to start, but they touched on all the good stuff. I just think from like, from someone who came here to help the family start this business with no expectation to get gain anything from this. I mean, I started working as a line cook for a year, then I quickly became a server and bartender for a year and took photos on the side to help out and then. Know, eventually became a marketing person here and uh, one thing I've learned about Reckless is the most important thing about people and employees here is opportunity it's truly a business that never wants to leave what we have already going here to find outside help or outside experts or you know whoever has the most shiny resume out there that can probably you know do the job completely perfect right off the bat but what we've really done here is you know, looked internally into our team and see the devoted people and try really hard to, you know, those people we see that, that little shining light that maybe, you know, a year from now they could be a manager and do an amazing job and let Reckless be their career. We've given them those opportunities. And there's something special about seeing someone, you know, we have people here that, we have a lot of people here started in the dish pit that are now managers and that they, they wanted to devote themselves and turn this place into a job that they can call a career. That's awesome. And it's, that's been one of the coolest things. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but also we, we have to talk about beer. Like we, we, oh, we've yeah. talked about, you know, People the other stuff. We have to talk about beer. We can't sit in the pint house and not, Absolutely. not talk about it. So if I was someone who, this is my first ever time coming to Reckless, give me one, two, three, whatever. What should I be doing what should I be trying well I would ask you a bunch of questions about okay have you had beer before yes do you like light beer dark beer let's go personally I like light beer okay I can set you up with several lagers for example a pilsner Uh, we have another one called a premium lager uh, that is really nice it's about six and a half percent but then I would move you into a little bit hoppier a scale so we can keep it light but we'll go from lagers to ales and I'll give you something like our clouded judgment which is one of our best-selling beers and uh, it's a New England IPA it's about low five percent ABV and it's got a ton of uh, hoppy flavor and aroma no bitterness really easy drinking so you're helping me get a little reckless in my choices you know <laughs> yeah. getting out of that danger zone I that. like that I like that yes. Uh, so it is kind of like a personal process of like we're not just gonna sell you the most expensive one. It's oh like yeah. You, I think it comes 
probably from your enjoyment of it too. It's like Absolutely. you want people to enjoy it. You don't just want them to buy it. You want them to actually like it. Yeah. And and that's the thing about beer. That's a that's what got me involved with beer is I absolutely love it. Like everything about it. First of all, the art that's involved in it is amazing. You can take four ingredients that have nothing to do with one another, blend them together through a process, and you get so many different flavors and aromas and but you also end up with a product that you know, gives you a little bit of a really good feeling. Some people might call it inebriation. <laughs> um, and it's just a really fun product and art form to be involved with. And then when you can share that art with other people and talk with them about it and introduce them to different flavors and aromas, and it's just really fun and adventurous. I love it. Well, when you put it that way, it does sound like that. Okay, I've been sitting on this question this whole time, maybe my whole life, honestly. Come roll. <laughs> I, I, it, I need to know, and I think that people need to know, who names the beers? Oh, How that's... does that happen? Oh, I think you guys have some of the best names and the most interesting oh, names. So and Thank just, you. like, tell me about that. Please. It's well, always been a collaboration. It's a collaboration for sure. Sometimes it's the whole team. We put it out there. In the very beginning, it was a lot of Ian and I. We'd be sitting in the little brew shed, and sometimes it'd be like he'd make a beer based on the name. We'd be traveling, you know, somewhere like. No, what's the one that we uh, when we went out to Bend, and it had the. Oh. Uh... The piney, uh, yeah. Phil's piney. Oh yeah, Phil's piney, because it was named after a trail, a mountain biking trail. Phil's and Bend, and when you're in Bend, Oregon, there's pine trees everywhere. So when we were riding around, all I could smell was like pine trees. And the trail that we were riding on was called Phil's something. I can't Phil's remember. Network, yeah. So so we ended up making a beer based on that. So kind of like sometimes it just depends on where the inspiration comes from. Yeah. You know, some of our flag our flagship beers have just been us individually you know someone will have a great idea sometimes Stephen like carry out stout for example that was Stephen's idea and that's the one that helps support the search and rescue he's on search and rescue so I think he'd been living he's been sitting on that name for a long time and really wanted to make a stout that you know matched it so I would say there's not like I don't think we have a real solid method I know that some marketing teams probably have more of a you know like a rigid like thing that they yeah. follow we, we definitely, like, we try to keep things reckless. We always say to ourselves when we're sitting around the round table having a beer meeting, is that reckless? So yeah. a, a, a lot of the time we'll let the beer decide, too, because some beers can be very playful. So we'll maybe try to poke a little fun at something when we name a beer. Pretentious Hopper comes to mind in that regard. Other times, if we brew something that's, uh, let's just say it's a classic European-style Pilsner, then we try to be more true to the true to the um, the beer and give it a real traditional name. Yeah. So and sitting around drinking beers with a whole bunch of your friends who are your employees, and they work for you, and we all are, you know, coming up with ideas. There's not many more fun things you can do than that. So yeah. some are pretty crazy. There's a list of like beer names that we want but can't use. <laughs> it's like baby names, you yeah. know, like it's it's. It's yeah. a process, but I, I like what you said that it's a lot of times the beer is deciding oh, yeah. for itself, and, and yeah. that makes sense. And I like too hearing that 
you know, sometimes you have a name and you're like, I'm going to make a beer because I want to use this name. I would yeah. definitely do that too. And then, and then Philip, as the marketing man, because he also is responsible for getting the artwork. So he creates some of the artwork and then some of the artwork is done by Kirsten, who um, it does, like, she's done it all over the place. The Canon, down in Loon, she has artwork. So Kirsten, Kirsten McCurth, um, I'm not, can't remember if she goes by her new married Kristen name. Kristen McCurth and Chris, now Kirsten Dickinson. But she's amazing. And she's actually done the murals here and stuff. But Philip will take that artwork from her. And sometimes her art has inspired us too. Yeah. Right? So that like that becomes an inspiration itself. So that's it, so it's, it's kind of fun. But from a marketing point of view, like he'll take these names and then he has to come up with the imagery and stuff for the label. So sometimes he'll have a name too because he has an image in his head that he wants to put out there. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. the image comes first. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. You know, you get inspired. So, yeah. It's fun. It's very creative. Good. Good. That's what I wanted is, is it's not like an arduous process. It's not just like, okay, well, slap this on there because it makes sense. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's the reckless way. Yes, yeah. it is. It, it, can really be, is. it can be months of, I think the last beer we tried to come in, it took about a month of just every week people throwing names in the chat, wow. in the meeting throwing names, just... You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll have a beer that we know is really good and we're like, this beer needs a name that's just as good as the beer. Mm. And sometimes it's yeah. a beer that, you know, it's something new we're trying, we're not sure about it, so we just, someone come up with a fun name, we're like, let's go with that, let's just see what happens. Yeah. And sometimes those become bigger hits than we would ever expect. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't put one out for a while, but we do have something that's kind of boring, but we call it our Rec Series, but it's experimental, so Rec 1, Rec 2, Rec 3, mm. and that's pretty easy and straightforward. So that, that allows the brewers to throw... Uh, experimental beer out there mostly using hops and it's not it's like a non-committal beer mm -hmm. so we call it rec five or rec whatever and then if it actually is really really good we'll turn it into like its own name mm -hmm. so so that's kind of i would say that's the most formative type thing we have that we follow like a pattern yeah. with in that sense and then yeah it always has to be somewhat edgy for example party in your mouth you know like that is definitely yeah. a reckless name. It is. It is. That's what I've been thinking of. Okay. So wrapping up, thinking of all the ideas you've talked about today and thinking of what reckless is, we're going into the new year soon enough, believe it or not. Do you have any resolutions, goals <laughs> for yourself, either personally or for reckless in the new year? Go ahead. Yes, both. Uh, but I would say for myself personally, just uh, stay the course. I mean, once you jump off a cliff, you can't really climb back up. So we, we, keep, we keep looking for ways to uh, grow, expand, get better, um, do all the things we want to do in a better way. That's people, planet, profit. And I think we're, I think we're doing that. So we, we do have some surprises coming up this year that you'll see. Uh, but you always have surprises. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I'd mean, be reckless if you didn't have <laughs> yeah surprises. Exactly. And totally stayed the course. Yeah. You know, that's not very. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Yeah, you know, I think I'm on the same boat with him. I think it's just what I've learned in this world is it's a lot, right? Especially when a business grows so fast, and yeah, we all we have different roles. People see Ian more than they see me. My role takes me more away. Where like you know, I'm I always tell people I'm in the dungeon doing dishes, but I think just you know reminding and always being present in the community and just being grateful all the time. And my thing, just on a personal level, is just to remind myself each day 
the amazing thing I have. And when I say I, I don't, you know, I, just, I just speaking for myself. I, when I say have, I think it's just everything. It's the people, this life that I've had the opportunity to live with all this, these people in my community. So I just want to remind myself every day. That's always important. Yeah, not mm -hmm. take it for granted. Anything to add? I think uh, into, into the new year, just continue to make uh, Bethlehem a fun place to be. Yes, absolutely. Make, make the well North said. Country a fun place to hang out. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, it's happening. You know, that would be a perfect place to end, but I do have to say one more thing. If someone listened to this and they're like, I love Reckless. I want to know what they're doing every single day, every single minute. Where can we find you? Where can we keep up with what's going on? Best places is Instagram, Facebook, our website. Keep on eye on our Instagram stories and our Facebook stories. We try and keep those updated day to day with everything going on. Um, our Facebook events, that's where we usually post our things like our trivia nights, karaoke, live music, upcoming events. Um, our website always has a breakdown of where we're selling beer, what big events are coming up, like our New Year's Eve party coming up this year, which we haven't done in, I think, three years now. So we're bringing back our big New Year's Eve party. Yeah, just our the normal social media, and just don't be afraid to check it every day because you know we'll always keep it up to date as best as possible. Because we're checking it every day. Okay. No, there's no, there's no shame. So yeah. you every once in a while, there might be a funny video or something to watch because uh, we do do some crazy stuff like that. Mm, maybe so. some dancing. Some, <laughs> yeah. some, oh, yeah. some, I've seen. I know what you're putting down. You know? Okay. But you guys, thank you so much oh, for helping you. us get yeah. reckless. Thank you yeah, to all of fun. our great customers. Thank you to the co-op. The co-op yes. has been a supporter of ours since we started. So just thank you to everybody that keeps this going. For and if you like plain drip black coffee, the co-op has the best plain drip black coffee. And that's where we end. Thank you to all of you for listening to this episode of That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op. I sincerely hope you had as much fun listening to today's episode as I had making it, and that you can take away something useful for your new year. Even if it's just you realize you want to drink more beer, which is so valid. A huge thank you has to go out to Ian, Marlena, and Philip for being my guests on this episode and introducing me to the coziest spot in Reckless. I definitely know where I'm going back to. If you like this episode, make sure to, well, like it on whatever platform you're listening on. To keep the colorful co-op content coming, make sure to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when we release the next episode. Colorful co-op content coming. Who wrote that? Try... Oh, yeah. Okay. I did. Um, you guys, I can't believe we're at the end of the year. 2023 has come and basically gone i mean next time you hear from me we're gonna be in a new year i'll be another year older i'll be off of my parents health insurance like big things are coming y'all you you have no idea 2024 i say it's our year it's our collective that's rad year so try not to miss me for a little bit i'll leave you with this i hope you all have a wonderful holiday season a great start to your new year and until next time until next year remember to eat sleep and be rad Bye.
Hey, you still there? It's time for the credits. This episode of That's Rad has been a production of the Littleton Food Co-op. Anastasia Marr is the host, writer, director, and editor. Jesse Smith is the graphic designer. Annie Stewart is the executive producer. All are welcome in the Littleton Food Co-op, Littleton, New Hampshire's only community-owned grocery store. No membership is required to shop. Learn more by visiting us on social media or going to littletoncoop.com. Or just come see us for yourself right off exit 41. Next time you need some locally produced foods, fair prices to fit your budget, and the best service in the North Country, remember the Littleton Food Co-op is your place to be. Okay, that's all. <laughs>